0: This morning to dig into Advent, we have uh, chosen as a church each year to kind of dig into the church calendar, uh, which is is probably a little bit different than most churches of of our kind of background um, uh, usually don't celebrate the church calendar, and yet uh, somehow we f- have found ourselves uh, deeply engaged with it, and and so we really do try to celebrate Lent and Easter and Pentecost and Advent. Um, And the reason we do that is because early Christians from very early on in Christianity, they used these kind of seasonal um, uh, uh, events and moments to tell and retell the story of God. Over and over, year by year, they would tell and retell and relive the story of God's salvation, the story of of God sending the Holy Spirit, the story of the Incarnation. And so uh, in our practices and in our worship, we want to year by year remind ourselves of who God is and what he has done over history. And the reason we do that is because it reminds us that what God has done in history, he can do in us. What he did then, he can do now. And so we refresh our imaginations year by year. And rather than seeing it as like kind of a monotonous cycle that we do every year, I love N.T. Wright, he says, let's look at it more like a bicycle tire, right? It's a circle, and yet that circle is moving somewhere. And so as we cycle through uh, the seasons of the church calendar, we're we're not just kind of doing rote things, we're actually participating in something that is going somewhere. We believe that the church in the kingdom of God is moving towards consummation with Jesus. That someday Jesus is going to return and we are going to be with him. And we, so we celebrate and retell that story year by year because we don't want to forget. And we don't want to be uh, the person right that Jesus tells a parable about that whose wick wasn't trimmed and their jar wasn't full of oil. They weren't ready. Um, and so I, I love that we sang that song, we'll be a bride ready for the groom. Like So we're going to tell this story over and over and over again. It helps us mark time. And if we're not careful, um, in today's modern culture, uh, we don't mark the time. We don't pay attention to seasons. We don't really ask and listen what God's up to. And what's interesting about it is actually the secular world has become a monotonous cycle. You know, so so what our enemy would have you believe is that the church is the boring, monotonous cycle, but actually the secular story is the boring, monotonous cycle, and the church calendar is actually the exciting, meaningful, robust way of living life as we mark time with Jesus, heading toward Him. Right. So what we do is we want to wake up to that, and and we want to invite you this year, maybe for the first time, to actually enter into Advent and, and like step into this deep. Uh, really meaningful, powerful stream of Christian tradition. Right, that, that we aren't just floating in the midst of nowhere. We are actually the inheritors of this rich and beautiful practice of Christianity. Um, that, that is across cultures and across geographies and across time. And we actually get an invitation to like tap into that deep, deep well. Um, so this morning, uh, we're going to read out of Isaiah. And we're going to begin, because we kind of start Advent. Uh, Fleming Rutledge, uh, this amazing preacher, she says this. She said, Advent begins in the darkness dark. dark and I think that's something we have to remind ourselves each year as we enter back into Advent that Advent actually begins in the darkness because God recognizes what's happening on the earth the reason he sends Jesus is as a response to what's happening on the earth Isaiah 64 says this in our sins we have been a long time and shall we be saved it's this admission. This admission to God is what activates, actually. His, his ears are, are perked up towards humans to say, are you going to actually be honest about what's happening in your life, and will you actually ask me to intervene? I, I'm, I'm the one. I'm the fix. I'm the answer. Um, or are you just going to keep, you've been in a long time, and finally, I love the, the Isaiah, they look up and they say, God, in our sins, we have been in this place a long time, far too long Shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. You've hid your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquities. Be not exceedingly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Advent begins with an admission that the world, and, and because the world, I myself many times am not the way I should be. It, 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 it is this admission and this honest assessment of what it is in the world and saying, this is not the way things were meant to be. Um, things are dark in the world. And I think we could all be honest that in the days we live in, things feel dark. Right? It, it feels like, wow, what's happening in the world? Things feel dark. It feels like wars and rumors of wars. And it, and it feels like... Conflict and division and dissension and um, civility has just gone out the window and people just talk to each other however they want with no care for like, in, any kind of like, uh, societal norm. It's just say whatever you want to whoever you want, whenever you want. It's just, it's, it, it's, it feels dark. The psalmist echoes this in Psalm 80. He says, O oh Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angered? You have fed your people with the bread of tears. So he's like, God, we we have left your way, we're far from you, and now like we, we're reaping the consequences of living in the darkness, of, of ignoring your ways, of going it our own, right? Rather than Psalm twenty-three that says, You lead us on paths of righteousness, we saw your path and we said, we'll try another. And then we look up and we realize it's really dark. And so it's interesting because Advent has to actually begin with the bad news. right? First, the bad news. The world is really dark. The world was really dark. If you're living in Israel in first century... And you're occupied by Rome. You thought you might get out of, uh, out of occupation, out of exile, right? You've got the history of the Maccabees, Judah the Maccabee. He rises up. They defeat them. They're free for a short amount of time. And then Rome rises up. And next thing you know, they're exiles in their own land. They're, they're, in, a, they're in a dark place when God decides to send Jesus. There's a lot of bad news. And I think if we're not careful... We'll just get caught up in the season of Christmas and the joy of presents and our kids and parties. Last night, we did a thing with our kids and Santa. I I bless that. Like, Like, I bless all the meetings with all the fun and all the joy and all the ornaments. Like, I'm married to a woman who loves, like, Christmas. So, basically, our house gets invaded by boxes. Anybody else? Like, there's. I just walk in the door, and literally, I can't see into the living room. It's just a. It's just a large stack of boxes, and all the Christmas stuff comes out, and then it all. And then the house is crazy. It's chaos, and then it all gets put up, and then all the boxes have to be taken back to storage, and, it, and it's just in like my kind of standpoint. I'm like, I don't know if it's that big a deal, and, and then it gets done. I'm like, oh so glad for Annie. This is so beautiful. Our house would be terrible if I was in charge, right? So it's like, so it, it, it's this weird thing as Christians is like, how do we hold both things together at the same time, right? How, how do we celebrate the season and, and enjoy it with our children and, and, and inject like hope and wonder and all this stuff while also acknowledging what's actually happening in the world so that we're, we're actually doing these things in a kind of defiance against the darkness rather than in, like ignoring or denial of what's happening in the world. And I I think we can actually do both. But when we think of the incarnation of Jesus, his coming to earth, and the joy that he's brought through salvation, we can't forget why he came to earth. He came because of the dark. God became flesh. He took on flesh and and came here because it was dark, right? And so we we admit in Advent, this acknowledgement that it was our sin which drew the Savior to earth. And and here's what I think is really key, is every single generation that's ever lived could have been the one that God chose to send Jesus to. Like, there's never been a generation that's arisen that was righteous enough to not need the incarnation of Jesus, to not need his arrival. And and, and so we are just like them. (laughs) Like, in in every generation, a new one arises, and and it, it, it could easily have been the one that God says, it's really dark, I'm sending Jesus. I don't know why he chose, you know, first century Galilee, but he did. But it's like, it's this thing, the writer of Isaiah reminds us that even our righteous deeds, right, are like a, like a polluted garment, the Bible says. Like, even the things that we think are really good that actually testify to some, some measure of common grace in the world and life, God's like, even that compared to who I am is like nothing, so this season is not for the faint of heart. And if you know anything about our church family, we really try hard to not bury our heads in the sand about the state of things. Uh, about the state of our hearts, about the state of the church in America, about the state of our city in regards to the widow, the poor, the orphan, the foreigner among Like We, we want to be honest and we want to be real. Um, not despairing, but, but we want to be truthful. Um, and so we want to be part of that, that deep stream of Christian tradition that doesn't shy away from the difficult issues. And, uh, and, and so what we believe is that if you want to be authentically hopeful, you have to be honest about what's really happening. right? So if you want real hope, you have to have real honesty about how the world is and where things are and where your heart is and everything that's happening. And so you face it head on and you look through the darkness looking for light. You're actually, so you don't look around, you don't avoid, you actually look straight in the face of these things that are happening and you say, God, bring light, right? We need light. And so we're invited in Advent to first recognize like our own complicity, right? Our own participation in the reason that Jesus came, right? So we don't sit here going, thank God Jesus came to rescue all those sinners, right? Jesus honors the one who falls on his knees in the midst and says, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Not, Lord, have mercy on them. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so we believe that this idea, Advent begins in the dark. And every year we live in the tension of the already not yet kingdom of God, right? That, that in some ways the church lives continually in Advent, uh, desperate for the arrival of the light in the middle of the dark. And, and um, even this morning, I, I, I love our sanctuary. I love how bright this room is. Do you guys love that? I, lo- I just love historic churches which were built for worship. Um, they were built for people to try to see God. And I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, I learned this the first time in cathedrals in Europe. They're like, why do you think the ceilings are so high? And I was, so there, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, because they are. <laughs> it seemed like a good idea to somebody. He's like, no, no. He's like, all these cathedrals are, are that way because they're meant to draw your eye up. It's to get your eyes off of this kind of horizontal world and up. And I don't know, at this sanctuary, I tend to, my eyes tend to go up. And I just kind of like, because this kind of idea that we're worshiping up to, to God, and I, and I love that idea. So, so uh, we come into the beautiful sanctuary, but it, we admit that it's not our righteousness that attracts God love, uh, God's love or our ability to sustain or produce righteousness. So we didn't attract him with our good deeds or our righteousness, nor will we sustain uh, his presence and his action in our life through what we do. It's his deep love for humanity, not our goodness, right? That brings us to joy and light. And, and what we know about God, if you read the Bible um, with this lens, you know that God is continually bringing light in the darkness. I mean, he does it in creation. He does it throughout the scripture where he's always lighting up dark places, And so I think this morning, I just wanted to start with like, so for us to celebrate the light, we actually have to admit the dark. If you're really going to appreciate the light, you you have to understand the dark. You have to like actually say like, oh man, that that was me. The good news of of Advent is that the lights invaded the darkness. Isaiah 9, if you've got a Bible, uh, turn to Isaiah 9, verse 2. This will just be kind of our our text to consider this morning what God's doing in, in Advent. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as men rejoice when dividing the plunder for as in the day of Midian's defeat you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire for to us a child is is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Listen to what Jesus does when he shows up. He says, I'm going to take all of that off of your shoulders, and I'm going to put it onto mine. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I love that he says, at the base of all these things, all of this action across history that I do, it is my zeal which, which fuels it. He's like, I don't need any outside encouragement. I don't need any outside resources. My zeal for human beings fuels every action I, I, I make. Isn't that amazing? So he's saying, like, you, you don't actually have to do a bunch of stuff to attract God's action. He already loves you with a zeal that you, you just can't even understand. He's zealous for his people for his children. I love this. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. His government and peace is an ever-increasing reality. Like, there'll be no end. That means for all of eternity. And I, and I think there's got to be something with this idea that we've discovered the universe is always expanding. Isn't it interesting? Like, it's, it's just... It's constantly, it's, it's as if God is giving himself increasing territory for which his government and peace will rule over forever and ever and ever. And there'll be no end to it. It's who God is. He's like, but that means also his peace for you can always be increasing. Like the peace offered to you that, that surpasses understanding. He's like, it can always be increasing in you. So what's happening here in this text? Just three like, really simple things for today, for Advent. One is this just admission, right, Isaiah, that things actually are really dark. And it's okay to just admit things are really dark. Life can be really hard. I'm getting kicked in the teeth right now. Whether it's in my marriage or my parenting or my finances or in my mind, whatever it is, you can just say, man, things are really dark. He actually says that uh, the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, the warrior's boot, every garment that's been stained with blood, he's like, this is what it's like, God says, when I'm not in charge. This is what happens when human beings are left to themselves. They reject my ways. You end up with people who are oppressed and burdened. And in danger. And and this morning, we just have to admit, man, things without God are really dark. Or as as our friend uh, John Tyson said, he would say, you know, we've got 60 years of history and knowledge of what has happened since the sexual revolution in the 1960s. We've got 60 years of data, and what do we have to show for it? He would say, we have despair. But that, that's, that's what we have in our nation based on this, this primacy of the individual. Do whatever feels good. Chase your life. You're in charge. Life's all about you. And you're like, after 60 years, what do we have to show for it? We have the, the number one leading cause of death in our country is despair. Deaths of despair. Isn't that crazy? In the wealthiest nation the world has ever seen, we have no hope. So we can actually admit, man, things are really dark. Uh, We don't have to bury our head in the sand. We can actually acknowledge, even if in you this morning, you're like, I came to church and it's bright and it's pretty and we're singing songs, but in my heart, it feels dark. You're in the right place. Right? So it says, in the darkness is where the light shines. In the dark, there's an invitation that when you actually get truthful about what's happening, that's the moment that God's like, okay, now I can turn the lights on. Right, things are really dark. The second thing we see that it's not, but things aren't just really dark. Jesus is really here. I think that's just like the first moment they're like, He is actually. Here, for unto us a son is given, a child is born. This person who is wonderful counselor, mighty God, uh, he, he's Prince of Peace. He's real. He actually was born. He lived. He died. He rose again. He ascended. And he sent the Holy Spirit to live in our midst, which means he's here. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, Jesus actually is with you. And he says this, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The end of Matthew, he says, and, and uh, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Whew. My peace is ever increasing to whether there's nowhere where you can go where I can't reach you. Amen? Like, that's, that's the hope of Christmas. Isn't just a little season to kind of assuage some of your fears and make you feel a little bit better, make you forget. God's like, I'm not here to make you forget for a little while. I'm here to forgive you and to release you into peace, into joy, into light. And, and not that you'll never encounter the dark again, but that when you go back to that dark place, you'll know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear what? No evil. Why? Because the Lord is with me. He's my shepherd. He's actually, now when I go into the valley of the land of shadow, I know who's walking beside me. I know I'm not alone. I know I have someone who's with me. Jesus is really here. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The life that Jesus possesses is offered to you as light. He's like, come to me. If you don't want to live in the dark, I will shine light. The light shines in the darkness, Isaiah 9. But the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming where? Into the world. His light invaded the world. Those who walked in darkness saw a great light, and the great light was a man named Jesus. And his light didn't end on the cross. When he died on the cross, that light didn't get snuffed out. It actually got amplified. And it got spread because of the Holy Spirit beyond where where Jesus in flesh and blood could have never been everywhere all at once, yet Jesus in the Spirit can now live in a billion people on earth right now. Right? Isn't that amazing? And so that light, Jesus is really here, which means you really can change. That's the thing this morning that I want you to hear. That things things are really dark, but Jesus is really here, and you really can change. Your life can change. The light can shine into the darkness, and you can change. John three. I love. Nicodemus shows up to Jesus. I love. Um, that the person coming to Jesus seeking change was an old man. Isn't that cool? I don't know why I've never really thought about that. I love that it was just like Nicodemus, this old wise man, even at that age in his life, he wanted to change. He's like, you've got something different. Everybody recognize there's a different authority. There's a different invitation. There's a different power in this man, Jesus, compared to all the other rabbis, all the other teachers, all the other prophets. I think... He's the one. i got to go see him. Even though he goes, And it's interesting because he goes sees him at night. <laughs> he goes seeking in the dark this man of light. And Jesus says these words, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Which means you can actually be born again. And that's an interesting statement because it's one that isn't used very much in the church anymore. Right? It used to be that was the statement that meant you were a Christian. That you are born again. Right? Like that. Like, and, and it's interesting that even there's like a word that's like, oh, those born againers, right? You know, it's just kind of like those people are like, you know, because like there's a, there's a thought that you can actually be born again by the Spirit. Nicodemus, how can a man be born when he's old? Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. This is so important. Your flesh cannot create the change you desire. Because flesh can't give birth to spirit. Only spirit can give birth to spirit. The change you want, the, the deliverance from the darkness in your life, comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes from the light of Jesus that's being offered as you're walking through the dark. Um, Jesus says, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So I want you to hear this morning that you can really change. Um, The difficult thing is you cannot change yourself right like you you don't have the power to change the fundamental thing about yourself that needs to change you can change lots about your your habits you can wake up earlier you can pray harder you can read your bible more you can do all this stuff and yet it won't perform in you the real change that needs to take place which is to become a new creation because of all the power god gave to human beings what he didn't give them was the ability to recreate themselves right he didn't give you the ability to say, I, I'm going to get a new spirit inside me, so I'm just going to start working really hard. And I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it happen. You, you just, you can't do it. God says, but guess what? I can place my spirit in you, give you a new heart, a new name. I can do these things. So this morning, as we enter Advent, I would love for you to start considering, um, in my life, where is the darkness operating? And you might be like, hey, I'm fully in the dark. I I am in despair. I'm questioning. I'm confused. I'm living in sin. Whatever it is. Well, the good news is it says the light shines in the darkness. So if you're in the dark, congratulations. (laughs) Your life's positioned for God to break through. I love that the first Sunday Advent, we light one candle. Just one. And it's this first glimmer and flicker of hope. And it's interesting, because in this room, you can't even tell that it's putting off any light, but if you put that candle in an absolutely dark room, it's amazing what would change. And so this morning, for some of you, I just felt the need to say, like, there is a candle of hope. There's like the first flicker of life for you this morning. That Jesus is here, and that you can change. And part of the invitation is to give up trying to change. Isn't it interesting how much Israel tried to bring about the Messiah? They tried to force it through battle. They tried to force it by making everybody miserable with all their moral rules. If we could all just be good enough, maybe God would send the Messiah and it never worked. And then all of a sudden God just sent him. Because it wasn't about all of your stuff. It wasn't about you could bring him. It was about he actually wants to come to you. When you're walking in the darkness, it's amazing how much just one glimpse can matter. And so this morning, I just want you to hear: the light is coming. It felt like the Lord said, "This is the phrase for this morning: the light is coming. The darkness will not last forever." Amen. The light is coming. The darkness will not last forever, and that's true for you in your own heart. It's true for you in your marriage. It's true for you and your children. It's true for our city. The light is coming. The darkness won't last forever. It's true for our nation. We're in a dark time as a nation. But it won't last forever, friends. God will not be mocked. Like He won't stay His hand. For, at, at, at the right moment, God always acts in history to bring people back to Him. It's just over and over and over and over again. The light is coming. The darkness will not last forever. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Amen? That's the verdict over all of human history. That light has come into the world listen to this this is the danger but men loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil we have to come to love the light like i mean we actually have to come to like love the exposure that comes from jesus christ in his presence because he will not allow anything dark in us to stay and so many times we do this kind of dance in and out where we come in, we get exposed by light, and we're like, ooh, man, I didn't know that was going to get... I thought, I thought I could manage the exposure of this junk. And he's like, no, 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 my light lights up everything. But it's for healing. It's so that you don't walk in the land of the shadow anymore. It's so that you can be free, so that I could break the yoke on your shoulders, and I deliver you from the rod... I'd set you free. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So in the light, God gets the credit. Because everyone sees the true nature of human beings. When we get in the light, we see that there's no one who's righteous. That Christ came to call sinners not the righteous, right? That, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and he then gets all the glory for your transformation. And here's what I think. In works-based systems, we take so much of the glory from God because it looks like we're really good at this Christianity thing. You know what I did? I started waking up earlier. Oh, and I started reading the Bible. And I got an accountability partner. And, and, I, and I put covenant eyes on my computer. And I, you know what I mean? You're listing all these things you did. And then people walk away going like, wow, that guy. Man, he's good. He's righteous. I want to be like him. Oh, man, I wish I could be like him. And really what we did was gave a testimony to our willpower. We didn't give a testimony to Jesus and the power of the Spirit. And that's what it should be. It should be, man, Zacchaeus stood up and made this proclamation. And they're like, only God could do that in a man like that. Like, that's from him. Zacchaeus wasn't like, hey, I, I, I'm going like, to think it over for a few weeks and rework all my business deals. And I'm going to work hard. I'm going to start this. I mean, he was just like, right now, half of what I have is going. I'm going to give it away. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> in a moment's like thing, he just responded to the Holy Spirit. He leapt into it. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has, been, has done has been done through God. I'm going to invite the band back up, and we're going to just sing and spend a moment kind of responding to this. This morning, the light is coming. The darkness will not last forever. If you take anything away from this morning, I want you to, I want you to leave with that. Um, and it, and it, I just want you to know that's not just a, a trite saying. That is a promise from God. It's actually something you can stake your life on, is that the light is coming. God will not leave you in the dark. It's not who he is. So this morning, where, where do you need the light? Where do you need the light? Do you need it physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially? What, where is it that you feel like, man, I am in the dark in this area of my life. I, I need someone to help me. And I just want to say, that's why um, we base so much of our church around prayer, right? Um, Because we believe that prayer activates the light. It invites the light into situations where when you get done with it, you say, wow, God met me in this place. He shined the light. Um, He did this, and I can tell that I'm already beginning to change. Just even in the moment, even while I'm being prayed for, I can tell something's changing inside of me already. Like Paul says this in Romans 7. It's funny how we interpret this. He says, the things I want to do, I cannot do. The things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. But I think the best news about that scripture is the things I want to do, guess what happened? His desires changed. He's like, I used to want to do those things and do them. Now I don't want to do them, even though I can't stop. But it's like this thing is like, I don't want to do those things anymore. I'm already beginning to change. The desire of my heart is for light for goodness, for truth, for beauty. And I want to figure out, God, help me to walk in the light. Right? So not just receive it, but actually then to walk in it. So this morning, if you need to receive light, uh, we'd love to pray for you. uh, we open the altars every Sunday after church. If you want to just pray alone, you can come up and pray at the altars alone. Uh, we'll have prayer team men- members down front on the sides. We would love to pray light over your life. If you're walking in the dark this morning, the light's coming. Um, and you can ask like, God, I need the light. I want to see you clearly. So I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. And then we'll just, we'll just worship And respond, but would you close your eyes uh, for just a second and just take a moment? And it may be this morning too that your response is is somebody you love is walking in the dark. And you're just like, man, I want to spend some time this morning interceding for them. Um, I want to invite God's light to invade their life. that in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, Advent, this, this church calendar way of marking time, in it is the Holy Spirit inviting you into newness of life. Not to try harder or to be better, Um, but to understand more fully how much the God of the universe loves you, how much he paid in his son Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection to ransom you to himself. And him saying in all of that, if I did all that for you, how would I let you live in the dark? Come into the light. Come on into the light. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, right now I ask that you would reveal any darkness in us, any place where it feels like we have been shut down or closed off or walled up. Where our enemy has been having a heyday with accusations, insults, curses, pray for anybody in this room whose identity has been under attack that says you're a failure you don't measure up you'll always be this way the light isn't coming in Jesus name I come against that voice and I just command it to leave right now so that every heart and spirit in this room right now might hear the truth that the light is coming And the darkness doesn't win. And that Jesus coming into the world in the form of an infant was a cataclysmic event in the cosmos. It put every spirit, every demon, it put Satan himself on notice. That the light is coming. And the darkness won't last forever. And so, Jesus, this morning, we say we love your light. Will you forgive us for times that we have run from it? Because we feared exposure. Would you forgive the church, Lord, for not caring for those who have come into the light? So this morning, God, if we've been beat up in that way, we, would you just release it? That yoke of the burden, God, would you would you pluck that off this morning? Because you say, any of you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. My yoke is kind, my burden is light, and I will give you rest for your soul. So God, this Christmas season, would you bring supernatural, miraculous rest of the soul? In the busiest time of the year, when we have the most going on, would you come with your light? And would you bring rest to people who are weary and burdened? that it would be acknowledged by all that that was the hand of God that was the work of God bringing light so that we would receive no credit God none of your credit would go to us but you would receive the glory and the praise the honor yes yeah, so we just say that's who you are Jesus you are light you are light in you there's no darkness there's no shade of turning with you Jesus you're the same yesterday today and forever you're the one who was and is and is to come so today we want to we want to see the light clearly and the last thing as I pray I just pray this, this blessing in the Bible where it says may his face shine upon you his face is lightness when Jesus looks at you, he brings the light of his countenance on you. And this morning I just I just believe it's not a flashing blinding light, it's actually a warm light that feels like an invitation. Come into here. So we love you Jesus. Thank you us in our sins thank you that you don't leave us as orphans thank you that you are not capricious in how you treat us you you don't go in and out on us when we screw up and make mistakes and we fail that you stay with us through thick or thin because you can see what you're doing in us when we can't even see it So thank you, Jesus. We love you. You're good. We just allow your heart to tell, like, God, you are good. You're a good God. You're a good Father. You give good gifts, and the best gift you ever gave was your Son. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing illumination to our hearts this morning so that we could see God clearly. We love you. We worship you. We praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing. We're just going to spend some time in worship. The prayer team's going to be up front. If you want prayer for any reason, come to the sides. If you just want to do some business with the Lord, the altars are open. You can pray there as well.